Correct, on Earthlets. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 33rd episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This month, we're covering 2000 AD and Star-Lord for May 1979 with progs 111 to 114. This week, Judge Dredd will go up against the Exo-Men. We'll finish the story of Robo Hunter and we'll journey to mystery with Rick <laughs> Random. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How you doing this week, Fox? Or this episode, uh, I guess. Oh, Jesus. I like... It's all right. <laughs> Is it? I, uh, it, could, it could be better, but it could be a lot worse, you know? I suppose. <laughs> this may be the most 50-50 2000, is, 2000 AD has ever been. Definitely agree. Speaking of 50-50, let's go right to the middle with Thrill One, Judge Dredd. Uh, script robot for Judge Dredd is John Wag- is John Wagner writing as John Howard. The art is by the art robot is Ron Smith and Brett Ewins, and lettering robots are Peter Knight and Tom Frame. Oh, oh it's the act. <laughs> Sorry. What? Oh, no. Just restart your thing. Oh. Uh, well, no, I'm good. Exo-men! Ah, <laughs> uh, Fox. They're these guys. They're an exoskeletons, and they're robbing a bank. I Not forgot e- how stupid and ridiculous this was. It was so great. Not even their robot bank manager can stop them. No. They're going to punch him right in the cigar button. That's right. Meanwhile. And he's spew cigars, like, all over a dude's face. Of course. It's really sexual. Jeez. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dredd is meeting with uh, Mrs. Marjorie Blackshack and Counselor Frank Petty of the Citizen... I think citizen- you mean, um, Counselor Frank Petty. <laughs> I said... Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Of the Citizens Committee for Compassion for Criminals. These namby-pamby liberals say Dredd doesn't have enough compassion for criminals. So they're going to... Uh- Oh, go, go ahead. So they're going to follow him around all day to see his method. Which, you know, really great idea for a guy who gets shot at, like, on the daily. Uh, they, he has to understand these criminals, man. He's too hard on them. So he heads <laughs> out to uh, to stop the Exo-Men. He, they get in a car chase and to kill one, and then another gets... Um, and then another one, get, one gets arrested and Dredd sentences him to 20 years on the spot and the duo from the C from the C C C C is livid and oh yeah they ask the captured Esco, uh, exo men about his childhood and all that stuff meanwhile it's terrible <laughs> meanwhile Dredd chases the last exo men onto the train tracks and they have a cool fight Oh my god, it ends with him throwing his motorcycle into the dude. Yeah, and then when Dredd, and then he picks up like a wrecking ball, and Dredd is about to lose when suddenly the bad guy gets hit by a train! Oh my god, double vehicle kill. Everything seems all wrapped up until Dredd returns to his prisoner, the middle Exo-Man. And it looks like he's escaped, and as he's done it, he's kidnapped Mrs. Blackshack. Oh, no! Freaking surprise. <laughs> this, uh, so it looks like while Dredd was taking down the Exo-Men with a train, the uh, CCCC, the Quad C biddies, were Just- <laughs> getting a sob story from the captured Exo-Man. They believe him, and then they go to like the hardware store, buy some bolt cutters, and remove his handcuffs. At which, which point, seriously? you know... Yeah, at which point he, you know... <laughs> Punches people, gets back in his exoskeleton suit, and runs away, kidnapping Mrs. Blackjack. I like he wants more money, and he's not gonna get it. Mm-mm. So uh, he's holding her ransom for a million credits. Uh, she remains compassionate until she finds out from the ransom call they aren't gonna pay. At which point she freaks out and like. Well, and Start. like they're like super condescending about it. They're like, "Oh, you know, you're like replaceable, and this other person's been doing so well." And then they, they have like a, a support crime off. It's weird. Hmm. Yes, yeah, so, so she freaks out. She starts beating up the Exo Men. She she yells at the government official that's on, on the phone, and it gives the the Justice Department enough time to trace the call. Oh, God. 
eventually the Exo Man decides to kill Miss Black Shack and she changes her opinion about criminals as Dread arrives to take out the trash. Dude, he's cl- he clamped down on her neck with like these pincers. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. Horrible. In the end, Dread uses a ricochet bullet to hit the control panel of the exosuit, and the perp careens into a furnace and burns to death. Good times. <laughs> Score Judge Dread. That's yeah. uh, that's nuts. In the end, all is well, and Dredd sentences Black Shack and Counselor Petty to six months penal servitude for freeing the X-Men. Compassion is a curse! Well, like, did they think they weren't going to get some form of arrested? I think it's pretty awesome. Honestly, 100% my favorite thing is when Judge Dredd (laughs) arrests both a criminal and the victim of the crime. Oh my god. (laughs) Because, hey man how dare you get your purse stolen you were just you just had it out there you're inciting a crime buddy but i mean honestly letting a criminal out of handcuffs and then him kidnapping you you are kind of responsible for that and and who thinks that's a good idea these these no good crime criminal lovers buddy Oh God! They don't know what's what. Their their pointy heads have been poisoned by like liberal thought or something. I don't know. <laughs> All I don't know. the supreme overlord. I don't know. People talked about this stuff in like the seventies. You know, I can just only do it through a lens of what people say about things now. You know. <laughs> yeah, fair dues. It's just like it was so hilarious. It's pretty good. I wanted more Exo Men, but instead yeah. we got some different. Yeah. Next up, there's a mad scientist. He's using DNA to make a clone, and the clone, and it goes pretty bad. Uh, the clone, he's named Dennis, or as he says it, Dennis. The professor's assistant, Beaker, uh, disagrees with all this cloning stuff and attacks the scientist and tries to kill Dennis, but Dennis takes him out instead. Because the, he's like a super freak strong. Yeah, he's like a super strong. You, Kyle Fox. <laughs> because they find the body and dreads on the case and they do an analysis of a cigarette case and they find fingerprints for both uh both beaker this lab lab assistant and the professor whose name is milton d frankenstein my bad (laughs) which you just you blew it man i i I don't think it was gonna be a twist man Also, this Frankenstein is probably not related to Frankenstein 2 that we saw in Prague 6, episode 2 of the podcast. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. You got it. Or no Conrad note. See see episode 2, Prague 6. Yeah. You got got to remember these things. Yeah, he was an organ legger. Whatever. (laughs) Dread, Dread put him in jail for receiving... Uh, stolen property, like the very stolen organs within him. It was pretty cool. Anyhow, oh, that's right. He he arrests him in the uh, in the hospital. <laughs> mm-hmm. So next, so final prog. There's a fake out cold open where we see uh, where we see Dr- and, and and then we see Dread interview Frankenstein. The doctor claims innocence, and Dread seems to agree, so he rides off. Meanwhile, the professor decides to make some more DNA men, but they're all jacked up monsters. There's even a Cyclops. <laughs> Frankenstein sends them out to kill Dread, as you do. They rampage through the city, but they're mentally controlled by Frankenstein because they're clones of him, so he's got like mental command, I guess. Yeah, dude. Didn't so you they... read the old Rick Random where we're a psychic race? <laughs> okay, I mean, fair. <laughs> That was psychic interpersonal communication, not just psychic ability with your clones, dude. That was a different setup. God! This one's genetically enhanced. I'm picking you up for it with everything for this episode, Fox. I know, man. You just, look, if uh, if you weren't meant to carry... <laughs> Any, anyhow, uh, the clones burst into uh, Dredd's apartment. They attack Dredd, Walter the Robot, and the return of Dredd's Italian housekeeper, Maria... Dumb. Which is always amazing. I used to hate her until Walter happened, and then Walter was a jerk to Maria. Walter's a huge jerk to Maria, and Maria just wants to make her the minestrone soup. Uh, but Which is awesome. Dredd shoots one of the Cyclopses, or she, Dredd shoots the Cyclops and one of the other clones, ones with the big forehead, and uh, 
then tosses another one out the window, but there's still three left. They they grab the Dread and he's pinned on each side. Yeah. Next episode on next episode. Ugly, ugly, ugly. <laughs> Which I really like. Judge uh, Dread, man. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you know, just like not not quite one offs, but like a two off and like like two two offs, basically. Fine, yeah. fine, Judge Dread stuff. Nothing, nothing, n- n- nothing mind blowing. Nothing real bad. Just workman like Judge Dread equipment or, or setups. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm gonna give like red light, green light on on these progs this month. Like this is something you should read. Like, it's enjoyable. The exosuit stuff is really funny. Like, <laughs> just them breaking shit. Uh, and the Frankenstein stuff, they're pretty creative looking. Like, I actually like the the freaks. Yeah, there's a good, there's a good variety of jacked up mutants among the, uh, <laughs> among the Frankensteins, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, you get to see him beat up some stuff, you know what I mean? Not the worst. Totally. Decent end, good cliffhanger, and speaking mm-hmm. of things ending, this is might be sad. <laughs> Thrill to Robo Hunter. Sad to see it go, man. Yeah. Robo Hunter. Script robot is John Wagner, writing as T.B. Grover. Art robot's Ian Gibson. Lettering robot is Steve Potter. So, when we last left uh, Sam Slade and Captain Kidd of Robo Hunter, they had used a device to kill all the robots on the planet. But uh, they fa- but. Sam saw that the circuits of SJ-1 might allow him to be saved, so they're doing hurried robot surgery to save the wood-powered robot SJ-1. And what comes back is not normal. Well, you know, Sam's able to save to save his life, but he had to bypass some brain circuits, and so... <laughs> yeah. You know, he's a little crazy, basically. M- meanwhile, uh, you know, Virtus burns. <laughs> Which, all, and like, really burning. I mean, all of the anti Everything that could possibly stop fires were what was robots. Um, you know, <laughs> everything. Period is robots on this planet. There's nothing that can stop this whole planet from burning to the ground. Basically, well, that's true. The entire planet is robots. Yeah, and now they're all dead. Oh man, which <laughs> is horrible. I mean, you know, kid oh. thinks it. Kid, kid agrees. Uh, Captain Kid agrees with me and thinks it's pretty funny because Slade <laughs> was supposed to to save the, this planet and has instead completely destroyed it. Also dead, um, all the humans that were in uh, captivity in the uh, sim farms and stuff like that. I mean, at this point, they m- many of them had been in captivity for at least ten, if not like forty years. So they'd probably, yeah. so they, you know, we'd when we last saw them, they had all kind of gone around the bend and stuff. Of terms of like just having permanent trauma from being um, imprisoned and tr- untreated and treated poorly by robots and stuff. Yeah. But they were still humans, and now they're dead directly because of the actions of Sam Slate. The ones that don't die in fires will starve <laughs> to death in prison. Um, oh my god! Oh my god! Anyhow, you did a really bad job. Yeah. So, um, you know, also destroyed are the circuits of their escape ship, so they can't leave. Great. Luckily, Sam is a wizard with fixing stuff, and he manages to fix the ship, and we're off back to Earth. Though, since only Kid knows how to fly a spaceship, he lords it over. He's going to lord it over Sam for the whole trip, starting with forcing him to be kicked, to, to get a kick right in the bum. It's true. He gives him a swift kick. Bum is British for butt. Anyhow. <laughs> So a uh, kid and Slade fly back to Earth, acting out kids' weird domination fetishes until they finally arrive on Earth and get a hero's oh my welcome. God. Like really weird. Yeah, like kids spanking and horse riding, riding around. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know, but uh, so kid ends up at the uh, welcoming ceremony. Kid ends up hogging all the hot babes until oh, a- I was about to say. Like, holy crap, that's the only way that you can classify these press women is that they are space babes. Oh, yeah. 
Listen, Ian Gibson. <laughs> Ian Gibson knows how to draw a space babe. I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah, it's very true. But Kid hogs all the babes until a nandroid, which is a nanny droid, Natch, shows up. Uh, Sam dumps it right in the cage. Yeah, Sam gets a debrief and breaks the news that Virtus is completely destroyed. His masters at the UN, Rogers and Chan, decide to cover it up so that they avoid lose, losing face as well. There's a finally a hero ceremony, and as the doddering SJ1 just starts handing out candy to people and stuff. Invisible candy. During the ceremony, Kid snaps and starts shooting everyone up. <laughs> and in the distraction, Slade escapes and rides off into the sunset in a sweet convertible with a trio of space babes. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. He makes sure to throw the medal he won for his actions on Virtus um, off the off the side of the car and onto the road, just behind him as he as he drives away. Which is pretty awesome. <laughs> but uh, like he he went to a planet mm-hmm. after killing some ro- and killed some robots. All the robots, robot friends, then killed all of the robots, and that was oh. after convincing the brain thing and doing all this stuff. Then he came back. After getting spanked a lot, I imagine. Mm-hmm. And then, like, then just lets Kid, like, rampage for a little while. While yeah. he's just like, okay, well, I'm young and he, again, and I'm going to go uh, be with some space pames. Yeah, the whole thing was covered up by the government. It's good times. <laughs> it's just, that's how this ends. I love this story. I love, yeah, it's a total, like, Seinfeld ending, like, no learning, no hugging, like, we're just all amoral jerks trying to get ours, and that's good enough. It's amazing. Um, this this was a really, really good part of this uh, yeah. comic this week. It's good. It. Yeah, it's a bummer to lose RoboHunter. Uh, Sam Slade will return in February 1980. Nice. And speaking of uh, thrills that we really liked and were very straightforward, let's go to the opposite of that with Thrill 3, Rick Random. Oh, God, thank you for getting this over with now. So, uh, <laughs> talk about good shit. So script, random, so, script robot for Rick Random is Steve Moore. Art robot is Ron Turner. Lettering robot is Steve Potter. And, and it's, it's the riddle of the astral assassin. Uh, great. Listen, credit card guys, I'm sure you're really awesome. And I'm sorry for what I'm about to do to this stupid comic. <laughs> so, here's the problem, alright? This one is sort of a mystery, I guess. Yeah. And um, I don't want to mess up the story by me glossing over things and stuff, so I'm going to try to be as, as much information as possible, alright? <laughs> It's 2423 on the spaceship Columbia where trade negotiations are taking place, but one of the ambassadors from the Gigan planetary combination, uh. Baron Odana, is murdered. <laughs> He's found by Exxon Sanso and Jamila Rose, a lady, <laughs> as well as by Dr. Marius Fisher from the Galactic Federation. Ah, oh, the treaties and ruins. Names. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, 50 light years away, Rick Random is zero-gravity swimming with a space pilot named Vandalane when he gets the call to investigate the murder. Uh, the pilot for his ship out to Columbia? Buddy, it's Vandalane. Anyhow, they arrive at the Columbia. It's a big hollow asteroid, and there's a huge conference room inside of it. Uh, they land, and it's time to investigate. They enter their handprints to ent- to trigger the door locks this is important and meet the head of security marius fisher and we learn that only 10 people could get into this part of the base so there's only nine suspects because one of them's dead of course um so it's so we have out so marius and his goons uh jay chan and leon mirabellis were with each other so they alibi each other so there's six suspects left um the goobins really need the yeah, they really need this treaty, but several members of the combination don't want it, even though they, they, it's, they need it for their economy and stuff. Yep. Uh, Rick tries to check the body, but he's attacked by the giant and haunty Garen Aldo, who takes a swing at Rick and gets an elbow in the gut for his trouble. Uh, Rick smooths he's things over. He's the coolest over. looking guy in this, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he's got a big star belt. It's awesome. Rick tries to smooth things over with uh, Theophilus, the elder statesman who wants things wrapped up quickly. 
Meanwhile, Vanda has been looking through personnel records, and there's still two other members of the delegation we haven't met. There's Hyro Cardin, who's like a wizard from a wizard planet, and then <laughs> there's Wavo Curzon, who's an economics professor. Based on who was with who, the main suspects right now are Garen Aldo and uh, Curzon, the, econo- the economist guy. Rick and Vanda decide to talk to them in the morning. That night, Aldo, no, Curzon, yes, Wavo Curzon, <laughs> wanders the hall and he sees that the door leading to the laser disintegrator slash garbage disposal is wide open. He goes to close it. Someone kicks him in. That's the first proc. <laughs> no, continue because we have to get through this. Second proc. Get to the end. <laughs> so Curzon's been disintegrated. <laughs> From the shoulders up. Oh, no. The hot-headed Aldo accuses Galactic Federation goons Chans and Mirabellus, but this is dismissed. Random and Vonda reinvestigate the scene of the first murder. They see that it was caused by a blaster clamped to a wall covered by a curtain, uh, which then self-destructed, leaving a blast mark on the wall. So it was uh, remote control. Finally... They go see Hyro Cardin, the mystic dude from the wizard planet. He's not bothered by all the murders. He's busy meditating and explaining that life is an illusion. He makes a tiny magic lady. Yeah, space babe for Rick to hold on to that then vanishes. I I don't know. Meanwhile, the pair walks in on Sanso being slapped by Rhodes. These are the two guys that found the first body initially. One's a dude, one's a lady. Um, then they're space babe. Yeah, and Sanso said that Curzon deserved to die, and then he swears revenge for being slapped. Uh, Jamila Rhodes is crying and Exxon and says Exxon Sanso is in love with her and was jealous for her talking to Curzon. That was the economist dude whose head got disintegrated. Um, meanwhile, yeah. Sanso talks to uh, to Vanda and chats her up and says that uh, Jamila is bad news and only an idiot would like her, and she probably killed Curzon herself, so they're sort of accusing each other. Meanwhile, Aldo is yelling at Marius and about how the blaster is remote controlled, so it could have been anybody, and... Yeah. Uh, so alibis don't matter, and if he doesn't get answers soon, he'll soon he'll mobilize his fleet. Oh my god! So random orders Chan and Marabellus arrested, and then leads them away. Aldo gloats and thus doesn't notice these shadowy figures stalking up from behind him. Next episode, framed. Oh my god! Take a take a bow and a breath. So big question, Fox. We've read two issues of Rick Random, and you have not read the rest of the story. So who do you think? killed uh the first dude baron what's his name baron odonna and then also uh wavo curzon um so the the top runners are the two nasty people Mm -hmm. who are just being nasty to each other probably because their alibis are breaking apart and they killed Mm. some people could be or it's a lover's quarrel yeah right also good. Um, but more than likely, it's the person who friggin' brought them here, uh, Dingle Dongle, because I don't remember his name. Uh, Marius. It was weird. Oh, uh, Theolephilus. Fair. Yeah. I know who did it, and it's dumb. But, uh. Well, I was going to say the only people who heard What's His Face be like, I'm going to mobilize my fleet. Like the next one, it looks like there's a guy about to shoot him. Yeah. No, there's this mysterious figure that's um, coming up from behind that guy. Uh, Aldo. Yeah. So the ending's stupid. <laughs> good. I'm really excited because <laughs> this Rick, sucked. Rick Random's no good, man. It's complicated. Um, one, <laughs> a, um, like, as you might be able to tell, everybody's got weird fantasy names or sci-fi names, I guess. I like some of the art. It's kind of got good sci-fi art. The problem is that there's so many characters and they so many of them look exactly the same that it's hard <laughs> to tell like what's going on sometimes like yep. when i finished the first episode where curzon gets pushed into the disintegrator i thought for sure that was rick getting rick random getting yeah. tossed into the disintegrator yeah. no, that's um fair. so you know i had to go back and, and figure it out but you know so yeah it's not the visual parts that are required for this story aren't telling very well combined with the fact that it's just like oh here's all these characters and all this so, stuff so like you you use the word complicated right and i think <clears throat> for my spiel i can work with that oh sorry go ahead oh no like 
this is complicated and mysteries are complicated, right? Like mm-hmm. mysteries are, are revealing and they're slow paced and like you want to be excited about who it possibly is a good whodunit. You're, you think anyone at the table could do it, right? Yeah. And then people start getting picked off. This is complicated in the exact opposite way that a mystery needs to be complicated. Like, it's doing all of the things like, oh, they have to, like, go somewhere and talk and interview. But, oh, but then someone also has to die. It's, like, all just emotions. And where it's complicated is, you're right, like, all of these characters just with weird names. And I I have no idea who they are or why he's going to them. So I have to, like, flip back and be like oh, those were the people they just looked up on the fucking computer. Yeah. And because they didn't remember their stupid names and, and like, what's going on or, or what people's motivations are. Yeah. It's, like... I mean, for uh, me, this feel this does feel like a mystery and, like, a whodunit. Because um, I always have those problems when I read whodunit novels and stuff, like Agatha Christie mm-hmm. and stuff, where I have to, like... I find myself like dog earing pages just where there yeah. are descriptions of people to go because I have to go back to them oh, and stuff. I see. Um, so for me, I have trouble tracking a lot of those things, or you know, tracking those things is is can be hard for me just to keep it all in my head. So this feels just like more of the same. It feels like a pretty conventional whodunit to me, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. here's a locked room. There's only so many people that could be in here. You know, a couple parameters. Here's a dead guy. Here's some clues about the setup of the dead guy. And then, um, you know, but here's how it goes. I'll tell you that from the clues that are provided in the course of this story, there is no way to guess it ahead of time. Um, just <laughs> well, based on... Unless point? you take a flyer at it. But yeah, no, it's not a super mystery. I feel like they got one or two... Like they reprinted the Rick Random stuff in the special and the an- and the annual last year, and they kind of got one or two positive things about it. You know, it was easy to reprint them because they were just just stuff out of the vault that they mm. sort of published. They got some positive things. They're just like, all right, well, let's take a flyer mm. and have Steve write a uh, write a six issue story about it. and We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, they do. It's not received well, and we'll sort of see the well, end of it next time. <laughs> but. Well, so that's the thing is, like, I think that they should do a Detective Prague. Like, that's actually what got me excited about the potential of Rick Random being in this is, like, ooh, Detective plus sci-fi. Like, doesn't necessarily have to be Rick Random. They can do their own thing and make it a little bit more gritty the way they like to do it. Because noir would fit great in this. Yeah. Uh, in some ways. So, I <clears throat> I don't know. I This was not what I was expecting. Yeah. This is just like it's sci-fi for the sake of it kind of. Yeah, I mean this is honestly this is could just be a regular um you have to find something else to be the garbage disposal thing, but you could have this just be take place at like a hotel where like exactly. only a certain number of people could be in there and that's fine. Um there's Not no like reason to be a, a judge dread proc. Yeah. There's no re- you know, I think a good story should be able to defy its genre. It's like whatever. This is not a great inv- yeah. e- example. Whatever with Rick Random, I say. Um, <laughs> yes. Anyhow. Completely agree. God, I'd love it. Love how quickly we got through that and didn't actually. That was not quick. Uh, speaking <laughs> of things that are not thrilling, non-thrills, nerve center, and pinups. Quite literally non-thrilling. That's right. Um, so quickly go through all just the other stuff in the progs. Mm. Prog 111, there's a moderate short story to start us off mm. <laughs> by, by a reader and a request to see Dredd's face. Never! <laughs> At the end of the issue, there's a pinup of Charlie the Robot receiving the key to the city, and it's a pretty good picture, I think. It's awesome. In uh, Prog 112, there's a lot of 3D fan art, like clay models of Dread and Johnny Alpha. There's a Lego Mechquake and some kind of horrifying Gronk puppet. And they're all pretty dope, I think, actually. <laughs> yeah, they're really cool. Like, the Lego Mechquake is way better than, like, the Lego spaceships we've seen previously, which are all pretty basic, honestly. Yeah, definitely. There's also requests for um, for evil character pinups, which I, I, I agree with. I'm... I'd like yeah. to see that. I wouldn't use the Mekon like what was suggested. That would be horrible. Plus, there's been like several Mekon pinups at this point. There definitely yeah. has. Give us something else. Give us yeah. cool characters. 
In Prague 113, there's letters about the lack of Rojas and Hammerstein laugh-ins. Then there's a short story about robots fighting ghosts or something. I don't know. Um, (laughs) In Prague 114, Tharg apologizes for the recent increase in ads, and there have been a ton of ads recently. Yeah. An increase of them in these Prague's that that we're reading, including like the back page changing from a sweet pinup to like a Superman um, car, the uh, commercial taffy ad or whatever. Yeah, uh, the the rest of the nerve center is a big old 2080 crossword puzzle. Uh, <laughs> then Rojas hosts a roundup of pictures from readers of of robot oh, stuff. There's a these. there's a pair of Robo T Rexes that I'm very fond of in these uh, picture yeah. things. And then the prog ends with a pinup of Tharg and then pictures of like script art and editing robots doing their various jobs around the 2080 offices, which I thought was pretty good as well. Yeah, they're very, uh, they're very like older looking robots too, not, not kind of the higher tech stuff that we're, we're, we've been seeing like with, uh, you know, like Rojas, Hammerstein, things yeah, like that. Yeah, man. The, the, like well, you know, those are 21st century robots. Those are 20th century robots, you know, we gotta <laughs> go from somewhere, you know. I like that. They're just yeah. a robot. Well, I mean, you know, like when you're an, a Beetlejuicy and bringing your technology to Earth, sometimes things get messed up and they kind of go to hell a little bit. Hey, speaking <laughs> of going to hell, Fox, <laughs> smooth. Come on, buddy. Thrill for Strontium Dog. Oh, man. Script robot is uh, John Wagner writing as T.B. Grover. Art robot is Carlos Escara. Lettering robot is John Aldrich. You guys are amazing, and I love this cover. It's so good, man. So we start this week with the Desert of the Living Dead. It's got rows of weird circular stones, and it's full of skeletons. Living skeletons with crazy red eyeballs. Ah, gross. Yeah, the guys are freaked out, and then Kai, the third lord of the living death of the third lord of living death, shows up. His mark is upon the Gronk, and Gronk's arm turns into a skeleton arm. Soon they'll all succumb to his mark and become crazy oh, skeletons too. <laughs> no, yeah. we gotta run to the like Emerald City, the basically. Black Citadel. <laughs> yeah. As they continue going there, the Gronk turns more and more skeletal. As night falls, the skeleton dudes call out to them, and Fly's eyes, nerves, breaks, and his hands go turn skeletal as well. And uh. both, uh, both Dork and or Don Dork <laughs> and Wolf's arm uh, each get one hand each skeletal. Yep. Uh, uh, Kai claims the Gronk, but Johnny fights him off. The skeletalization is based on losing hope. Johnny sends Wolf and the rest to make their way to the city and heal deal with the horsemen. But as time wears on, even Johnny loses hope, and Kai confronts him. By sunrise, he'll be one of the walking dead. Oh, snap. Yeah. We cut to the four horsemen of death out on the ride. What? They look so awesome. Yeah, they're on the warpath because Johnny has stolen Kai's horse and is on his way back to the Black Citadel. So, uh, Kai is the third horseman, KY. The other three are Alam, Ogar, and Samazan. And they all have different, and they're all different themes of skeletal horsemen, and they're all super duper dope. Oh, yeah. Samurai horsemen, and like a, a fisherman horseman, and a giant axe wielding one, and a scythe. It's freaking great. Yeah. They ride down Johnny, and even though Johnny takes a. Axe to the back, he finally makes it through the gates of the city. Everyone enters the gates and they recover their skeletal hands and stuff. Welcome to Hate, Second City of Hell. Dude, Hate is amazing. It's the city of Hate! It's so cool. Yeah, there's a pair of huge black spires with big ass gargoyles flying around, flying around them. And then the boys meet the two mares of Hate. Mr. Sun and Mr. Moon. They have uh, moon, They have Sun and Crescent Moon heads, respectively. Mr. Moon is totally 90s McDonald's pitch man Mac tonight. Big, tina- uh, big time. <laughs> <laughs> Things seem pretty cool. They even get served hot cocoa. But then, we, yeah, but then we learn about the daily hate. <laughs> 
Every day at noon, the gargoyles swoop down with five tickets, and whoever has those tickets at midnight gets a free trip off the hell world to their own dimension. But until then, anything goes to get the tickets. <laughs> they sing a happy song, and then... Which, sure, creepy. It's super creepy. Yeah, they sing their happy song. The time has come to say goodbye. We'd hate to stay, but we must fly. For down is up and cold is hot. And nothing is but what is not. And then (laughs) their heads expand like balloons and then pop. And then like sort of, you know, out like, you know, deflated balloons. You know what I'm saying? They're cartoons in a real-time world. Yeah. It's really... Then the walls of the building that the guys are in start to uh, warp and get weird. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, the cocoa turns to worms. The handcuffs fly. His eyes is wearing melt, and, fl- and he runs away. He runs into a street that turns into water. Johnny swims <laughs> after him, but the water is flowing into a deadly waterfall. Oh, snap. I'm going to yeah. be as sick as the cucumber <laughs> it's as dangerous as the as as their cucumber for sure oh uh, johnny shoots a life wire bullet which is some kind of grappling hook thing and they manage to pull themselves out just as the river road starts to solidify back into tar which was it tar the whole time like liquid I, tar he was I swimming th- in no i think it was water but then it sort of started to solidify back into regular road i guess i don't oh, know okay Sun and moon show up on a flying canoe and explain that chaos reigns in the city of hate. And to prove it, they disappear a flagpole that one of the guys with one of the tickets out has climbed up. As he falls, flies eyes, and then Johnny snags his ticket. Oh, God. That's right. Zardoz happens. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's good free-for-all stuff. Yeah, so... (laughs) But so now the mob is after them. They start shooting, and to even the score, Sun and Moon drop a ton of guns on the crowd. Alazar does. Yeah, it's great. Gun, gunfight shows up. The boys escape into a truck, which Don Dork expertly pu- uh, pilots away. They manage to escape, and the plan is clear. There's five tickets, and five of them. They get the tickets, and then all escape. They'll wait until an hour before midnight, and then ride out and get the tickets. Bet. Next episode, meet the Weird Brothers. Uh, I'm really excited. <laughs> They're going to kill a lot of people, and they got to get five tickets, and it's going to be great. Well, they and say I hope they you do it over a couple progs. Everybody comes back to life when they when you attack them, so it's total low calorie low calorie violence. You know, you can shoot somebody in the head, and they'll be back up and around in an hour or two. Yeah. No, it's it's. Uh... Better but yeah. luck next time. I'm really excited. The for story's this fun. Um, Ascara's art remains top notch, awesome oh throughout this God. whole thing. Like, Especially the color pages. Yeah, I think that's part of the printing thing we talked about last episode. But mm-hmm. yeah, the color pages for this story are are really arresting and amazing, and. Um, just all like the stuff of the city and even like the planes and the design for the different horsemen of death and stuff. It's all super duper awesome, man. I love Strontium Dog forever. <laughs> Strontium Dog is like this gem. I really do want to go back and read the stuff um, from Star Lord sometime. Yeah. Just because, like, damn, dude, this is great. Yeah, I think both this. St- I. Like the, both the strong team dog stuff and the uh, and the robuster stuff is interesting yeah. to read, just to kind of get some backstory on these guys because they come to us in 2000 AD as uh, as fully established characters. So seeing them sort of figure out how the how those characters work and stuff in the early days is really interesting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh. But again, sort of going back down. Speaking of things that might have problems being interesting. <laughs> uh. Thrill five. Dan Dare. <sighs> yeah, script robot for Dan Dare is Tom Tully. Art robots, Dave. Art robot and lettering robot is Dave Gibbons. So okay, <laughs> the, uh, Dan Dare, uh, his buddy, whose name I forget, but it's one of the Treens. That's like the Mekons people. Uh, yep. Princess Myriad, and then this. Um, other Listrian guy that's like the old guy that knows all the lore and stuff uh, uh, have, yeah. have taken a Mass Effect style elevator up and are about to do some Mass <laughs> Effect style um, like we're fighting all these dudes basically 
you know, they 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 they're cornered, and despite some excellent whip work by Princess Myriad, they're surrounded by Thraxians. But then suddenly, more Lystrians show up and save them. All right. <laughs> <laughs> They make their way to this big magic dome on the top of this building, inside of which they find a tourniquet, the cosmic it's, claw. It's a power glove. It's a glove. Well, it's got webbed fingers, which is kind of a different thing. But, you know, you can feel the power coming off from it. Meanwhile, the Mekon is looking for allies and snags a couple of Thraxians to help him out. Pretty much. Yeah. So Dan Dare puts on the Cosmic Claw. It lets him shoot beams. And this is somehow better than a regular ray gun, which also <laughs> shoots beams. Whatever. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> the Mekon makes friends with the leader of the Thraxians, who has an and eye we- patch and is double fisting a turkey leg and a goblet of wine and is covered in Triforce logos and is the greatest version of Link I've ever seen in my life. And we finally have Mekon confront what an actual bad guy looks like. <laughs> I love, um, this guy's name is uh, Hagnar, and he's the leader of the Thraxians, and he's extremely dope. He's, you know, he's a space orc, he's covered in Triforces, he's got an eye patch, and he just sort of talks about destroying things. And, re- and like, crushing stuff and eating, and, and just slobber, and, like, lots of saliva in his mouth. Listen, you might think that because he's kind of a pig guy and he's evil, that that makes him a Ganon? Nobody. This is Link. <laughs> it's my Link, all right? <laughs> so, okay. Uh, the Mekon does his usual thing, which is showing the power of his float chair to win the allyship of Hagnar, the Thraxian leader. Then the Mekon shows him that Dare and the rebels are running loose all over the city. And at the same point, Dandar and the rebels running loose over the city approach the inner grotto where the crystal of life awaits, protected by the Guardian. <laughs> but before Myriad can explain what the deal with the Guardian is, they get attacked by a Thraxian skirmish boat. Dan raises his hand in time to see if this magic glove can really shoot some dang beams. <laughs> So, Dan misses his first blast, of course, and Myriad takes a a face full of laser. Like, literally, her face is hurt, and her beautiful, featureless, funnel, cone-like face is damaged. Watch her just turn into what looks like a human being. Uh, God damn it, they're gonna make her a space babe. (laughs) Dan's out for blood now, and destroys the skirmish boat with a single blast from his power glove! Uh, medics attend to Myriad her eyesight will be saved but not her beautiful alien face that looks just kind of like a like a, a birdo I guess yeah. like, like a, a QWERTY or something like that but with dead eyes yeah sorry but with, but with black circular both black uh, spherical eyes it reminds me of that old comic um, Bone I don't know kind of yeah, the only maybe in, like, the, the like smooth features yeah I don't know what it like. It, yeah, I'd say almost Birdo that I just figured yeah. out is probably the better, like the best one that I've thought of so far. Yeah, they got the boar mouth. Yeah, but uh, you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, the path to the outer grotto has been taken, so now it's time to face the guardian. And but everybody but Dan is scared of that. Meanwhile, Hagnar is watching all of this, and he gets increasingly angry. The Mekon warns Hagnar about Dan Dare, and. He right, and so Hagnar decides to ride out to face Dan himself. But first, before he can do that, the Lystrians are attacking their drilling site, which they're using to get to the crystal chamber without dealing the various doors and guardians and stuff. So, Hagnar and the Mekon ride out in a sweet hover tank to stop those rebels. It's pretty huge and it's pretty awesome. And I like the little bubble guns. Yeah, no, there's it's a solid. Uh, Hyrule themed uh, <laughs> hover tank because again, this is, this is your link. Everything that these guys have is covered in triforces, and I'm really in favor of this just being space Hyrule, basically. Oh man! <laughs> um, at the shroud of the outer gar- of the outer grotto, Dan Dare hefts his new webby glove, and it's time to meet the guardian. Next episode, into the shadows. So like. We talked about Awesome Link for a little while, but this was really boring. <laughs> so, like, 
The reason why I'm thinking about Link so much is that this Dandere stuff is a super duper video gamey. Like one hundred percent. This whole dan this whole story has been, you know, it starts yeah. with him having amnesia and then getting in a simple fight where you sort of get the tutorial stuff and <laughs> press X to jump and stuff. Um it's sort of advanced to landing on the planet with some elementary party stuff with a powerful NPC, the Mekon, mm-hmm. and some throwaway NPCs, uh, the oh. uh, the red shirts. Now we're finally getting to the end of the prologue where you get some early characters that'll be part of your party for the rest of the game, like uh, the Treen guy whose name I forget, and, uh, and uh, uh, Myriad. Oh my god. He just he just got a magical item that's going to like be like the focus of the game like you know you sort of have this glove and it's the interface through which you upgrade your skills and stuff and you have special abilities that sort of make them the main character important and now they're just sort of getting to the final part where his quest is established then you sort of get to the open world parts of the game. Oh my god. <laughs> It's it's every single video game or no sorry it's every single Bioware video game. <laughs> <laughs> they stole it from this this like the run basic of Dan the, the basic structure of Mass Effect, Dragon Age, and Kotor are all in this Dan Dare story. <laughs> Very, very clearly, just oh in terms God. of the of the tutorial structure and um, the early prologue sections of the game. <laughs> Fight me. It's true. <laughs> like I, I'm just trying to recover. I'm not. I'm not sure there's anything I can. <laughs> trying to pick up the uh, the scattered chunks of your brain now that I've yeah, blown your mind. Well, that's the thing. It's like all I was gonna say was this was boring. I mean, it's pretty boring because it's the plot of sort of a generic video game that's been done, you know, once a year for the last fifteen years. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's just like like Dan Dare is so milk toast when he's not murderous Dan Dare. I'm just saying that like that first fight with the Thraxians on the Mekon ship could have just been against giant rats and it would have been exactly the same. But you know Oh my god. Or just that, That's how it goes sometimes, you know. Yeah, oh god, I and she's a Dex character and the fucking weird not Mekon guys is It's super strong, like like a tank? Oh, yeah, oh buddy. <laughs> It's super obvious, man. This is uh, this is gonna be weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm excited for that tank, though. Hey, speaking of speaking of tanks, buddy. <laughs> Hell yeah! Thrill Six Robusters. Oh, it was so good. Hell yes, buddy. So, script robot for Robusters is Pat Mills. Art robots are Kev O'Neill and Mike McMahon. Lettering robots is Peter Knight. This is this is the time for Robusters. Um, so we started Greasy Gracies as a robot bar. The main act is Lead Belly, who is basically a blind black jazz man robot. <laughs> um, Which, hey man, it's a running theme in in the like later part of this. But I kind of like honestly that like you know he sort of sings the blues and is like this respected mm-hmm. artist and stuff like that. It's a weird archetype that someone would build a robot to be. So it's kind of like. It's kind of, like, I don't know if it's racist, it's more of it's sort of like, this is a ridiculous situation, you know what I mean? I think it's trying to heavily draw a comparison. Yeah. Right, so, like, yeah. that's what I really respect out of this, is that this is for kids, and instead of being on the nose, it's, like, built into the world. Like, there's already a lot that builds into why blues would probably resonate really well with this crowd. I mean, good, I mean, robots just take crap constantly in yeah. the world of Robusters. But uh, so the team just uh, waits at the bar for Gottlieb to show up. They drink uh, drinks that are just the squeezed a squeezed out bar rag. And oh, they wait for God. him to arrive. Finally, he does, and he actually does buy them drinks with the toll money that he collects from people. <laughs> he tells the guys that their ship awaits at the spaceport to go to Saturn Six, and it's awesome. But oh no! The R.I.P., the Robot Enforcement Patrol, or Investigation Patrol, whatever, has arrived. And it's a raid, and they're uh, shooting they're, to kill. It's the PD now, okay? They go back and forth as to whether it's the PD troopers or the R.I.P. Oh, yeah, it is R.I.P. It changes from, from issue to issue. 
<laughs> what the hell? So the team runs backstage, and Rojas and Hammerstein are forced to put on top hats and perform on, on stage, just act like they're part of the act, you know? Which is really great. It's great. They sing a side-by-side, which is one of my favorite, um, like, road songs you know like mm-hmm. like a uh, team duets you know we ain't got a barrel of money but we'll Maybe keep it happy and funny funny but, but we travel along singing a song side by side oh it's terrible <laughs> singing from conrad and fox but whatever buddy whatever uh, got hey, yeah got gets yeah <laughs> Can't complain. Gottlieb gets caught by the R.I.P. And they start beating him up right there in the bar. At the end, there's no choice but for Hammerstein to step down from the stage and start beating ass. And ass he beats with his feet and his, like, hammer fist. I gotta say, there's also a lot of symbolism of these cops just straight up beating the crap, like, killing and beating the crap out of uh, robots just in the middle of this, uh, you know, in public in this bar and no one doing anything about it. And people just sort of, like, turning a blind eye, saying it's not their their fights, they don't get involved with it because they just want to keep their heads down, you know? That's actually, like, a good good warning. Um, Like, if you do read... Uh, 111 like just be ready for that because it, it gets really real when yeah. they beat the hell out of this robot like it's, it's yeah. not all right <laughs> but so it's fight time hammerstein takes out some of the pd troopers and gottlieb joins in with a rope with a, a rifle he found someplace hammerstein gets shot and rojas starts a barroom brawl to take down the rest of the guards eventually oh my God. it's like it's like a um a looney tune style brawl too it's like uh, Rojas like messes with a dude and then he ducks so the guy punches one of the other robots in the mouth and, and then, then all the like... robots get involved and all the robots are super wacky so all they're fighting is like you know like some dude's got propeller and he just starts propellering everybody and stuff like that you know dude it's so great it's a super awesome like scene of just all these all these different wacky like completely different robots all like fighting and doing crazy stuff Oh, it's the Old West bar fight scene. It's a super Old West bar fight. You know, there's like a guy with a saw for a face, all this stuff. It's awesome. (laughs) Just like in the Old West. (laughs) So eventually the guys head out with a human hostage in tow. Lead Belly, along with his seeing eye dog, lead them to their ship. Uh, lead them to their ship to the spaceport. The Satan Dart. It looks awesome. They're going to take the travel tube to the spaceport. Tharg note. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's an asterisk Tharg note saying that the travel tubes and underground network way better than regular road systems. Thank you very much. It's super awesome. But so as they fly out, they hit like a speed trap. Which what? Like just like you know, sort of something registering the speeds of things and they drive really fast. Ah. Um. And, and so it gives birth to a shark. Well, the the police come after them, and the police <laughs> uh, ship for the travel tube is an awesome, huge metal shark spaceship, basically. <laughs> it's awesome. And this leads to a sweet tunnel chase <laughs> with ships like sliding around the interior of this like circular, like of, of the cylindrical tube to um, like get advantage of each other and come down around each other, and just the action. Like like the the, the the art for the action of all these ships flying around is so good. It's super clear and like really makes me think they need to do a racing or a dogfighting, mm-hmm. um, like yeah, comic. It's it's really well done. Totally, yeah. So uh, they blast through a huge traffic carousel and it's dope as hell. Oh and, my god! And the action and the action's just starting, as a uh, Gottlieb says. It's well, totally like, true. Well, and like there's, it's like so they're driving through the tube, and then some cars explode, including the the police vehicle. But there's like Rojas is like sticking out a hatch, just shooting a machine gun at them. It's awesome. So while I think this like this se- this section this terror tube part is the greatest one of the greatest things we have seen so far in 2000 AD, mm-hmm. it was super hated by 2000 AD management. Really? In um, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. So. <laughs> in um, in the book Thrill Power Overdrive, they specifically call out this part, the tube chase, 
as like this uh the man this uh the management uh, hated the tube chase and robusters. He hated it so much. We took the first opportunity we had to do it again and make it worse. <laughs> and because really? of be, yeah, because of that specifically, like this sort of the tube ch- like planes or like space cars flying around a crazy tube and having big dog fights inside of them and stuff <laughs> directly leads to Nemesis the Warlock next year. Oh or the, my the, god. The start of Nemesis the War the Warlock, which starts out as just a bunch of ships flying around tubes of crazy angles dogfighting each other. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Fox, you don't I've just shown you little pieces and like told you like Google image search search Nemesis the Warlock, so you don't really know what's going on with it yet. It's gonna be pretty exciting. It's a real it's good so awesome. It's a real good first thousand progs thrill, you know? Oh, one of the dude. one of the top ones that's contained to just that range, if you ask me. But anyhow, <laughs> the human authorities are on high alert because those and they know because they know those robots must have some kind of space space base, and they're leaving from this spaceport, and we got to stop them. Meanwhile, the Satan Dart pulls up to the forest outside of London, and they pick up the rest of the Robuster robots. Doctor Feeling <laughs> Doctor Feeling Good is missing Casey. And now it's time to hit the spaceport and then go to Saturn 6. But they brought out the big guns, literally. <laughs> yeah, well, the guys dream about what their lives will be like there. And when the human hostage makes fun of their dreams, Feely Good threatens to remove his brain. <laughs> yeah, he was getting pretty ready. <laughs> they arrive at the hangar, or they arrive at a hangar where a, a huge mass of robots files into an airplane to take them to freedom. Because they're getting on a plane and not a spaceship, the PD troopers haven't checked there, but now they've been tipped off, and a huge contingent of PD troopers comes after the plane. What can they do? Hammerstein drafts 11 other robots for a suicide mission. They jump off the back of the plane. It's time to fight. The heroes doesn't ride. Awesome. So it's, it's Hammerstein, it's Dr. Feely Good, it's Rojaws, it's Gottlieb, and then a bunch of other sort of secondary robots, basically. I like them as murder people. They're so good, buddy. The Heroes Dozen stands against an army of filthy humes. Um, Dude. One dies pretty quickly, but the rest grab PD trucks and drive for the anti-spacecraft guns, now targeting the robot jet freighter. <laughs> The bots quickly take down the troops and take control of the guns, just in time as strike jets converge on the freighter but are quickly shot down by robot-controlled ACAC. Awesome. At the same time, T-98s are approaching the guns. More robots die from tank fire, but then the aerospace guns traverse to ground level and destroy the tanks! Oh, snap! Only seven droids are left, but it's time to fight on. As they do, the jet freighter starts to drop extra panels, uh, soon revealing a sleek, awesome spaceship, the Black Butterfly. It fires engines and starts to head home. As they do, they sing a new, hopeful verse of the robot's farewell. Yeah. And And they'll always remember the hero's dozen... Meanwhile, back on Earth, it's down to hand-to-hand combat. Hammerstein takes a hit, and everyone prepares to go down fighting for robot freedom. Next episode, The Angels of Death. Dude. <laughs> it's so goddamn good. <laughs> I I wasn't prepared for this, man. It's like, alright, gold robots on a planet, like, I'm pretty in... Like, this seems like a really interesting story, and instead it turned into just a... I, they, like they get caught and so of course they have to kill an entire <laughs> everything about it is so awesome dude just the ramping up of threats and the robots sort of dealing with it and stuff um them getting increasingly bigger things shooting down planes shooting down tanks the 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 the, the tunnel chase with a satan dart everything about this is full of like honestly, some of the most action we've had, maybe since just some some crazy invasion stuff, just but, where every episode is a hu- has a huge action sequence. Every episode has increasingly growing stakes, and things get very tense. And like, the fact is, like, there could still be like dramatic reversals here. Like Hammerstein and Rojas don't have to survive this. You know what I mean? No, <laughs> like, and and like 
what I what I like. So yes, all of this action, and it's just in every single prog this run. Um, but there's these little character moments too, like when they're doing the whole reflection of what life's going to be like. You know, Hammerstein's being very like super selfish and like kind of shitty, and Rojas just thinks to himself, and he's got like these weirdly sad eyes, and just like, guess I'm not going to see you again, man. Like, they, just, like he was not happy; he was bummed. Yeah, but then like he was one of the first ones to put up his hands when yeah, no, when f- Hammerstein's like, we are going on a suicide mission, and they just like you see them bro out together in a yeah, no, the uh, the uh, the uh, just bros broing of uh, Rojas and Hammerstein, <laughs> like their their bromance or their, their robo bromance. <laughs> oh my god, robromance? Yes, their robromance oh. is so awesome and like complicated and stuff. It's really neat, you know. Oh man, it's it is uh, without a doubt like it it's in competition for. Our top our top thrills, I feel like. Well, hey, let's get to it. We've finished all the thrills for this month. Fox, for what is your top and bottom thrills for this month, May 1979? So how can I choose when I have Strontium Dogs, or Strontium Dog and uh, Robusters? I know. Like, and just to, I, just, to give, to, just to give you an idea, uh, to, to, to let you know... If you wanna, if you're trying to space things out, both of these uh, stories will end next month. Oh my god, that's horrible. I know. I want so many more of them. <laughs> like these, this, they're on fire right now, man. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I were to just do it without hesitation, Strontium Dog. Right. Like, Sounds I good. Am, I am so in love with the art. I am so in love with the world. I am so in love with the characters. They have depth, and they they have like actual character like you get an idea of who johnny alpha is with every single prog with who the gronk is with who wolf is like my hearts is you, oh my god <laughs> well yeah and they have like their same tropes but johnny alpha is a man who's like yeah he's a bounty hunter and yeah he's just in it for cash and like yeah he's kind of whatever about the world but he also just completely repeats that dude if a strontium dog goes bad i hunt them down yeah totally like, that's awesome and and that's a character. That's honor. You know, um, there's just a lot in there. I really want to pick also robusters. So like it's so hard for all the reasons that I said. Mm-hmm. Right, like constant action and lots of lots of awesome. Anyway, that's my top is strong team dog. Nice. How about your bottom? What's your bottom this month? Oh good lord, uh, Rick. Also Randall. okay. Like <laughs> fucking, I didn't even have to think about it. Like Dan Dare is bad, but Rick Random is worse. That's fair. Uh, for me, Robusters. Oh my god. Oh my god. Thank it's you. It's everything that's so good about everything. I've loved this Robusters arc. You know, last last week that reveal that the robots were made of gold and uh, <laughs> they killed all the humans. Oh my god. And now. <laughs> There's just all this action stuff, and it's so crazy, and I'm worried that they aren't going to make it and stuff. Ah, jeez. (laughs) It's going to be really awesome. You know, for... I mean, like I said, when we started doing Robusters and we had those memoir things and I was like, oh, I don't care about these characters yet and stuff like that. Now it's different. Now, like, um, <laughs> I want to know about Rojas before he joined Robusters and yeah. what he, what happened to him and that girl. Now I want to know, you know, we're going to get get more of Hammerstein's war stories, actually. Um, <clears throat> like, that's what ABC Warriors is, which is going to start next episode. But, um... You know, I just want to hear more about these characters. I've grown, you know, I didn't, I didn't know who they were when we started in two, yeah. when they started in 2018, but now I do, yeah. and now I need, to, I, I, I need to know more about these goddamn robots. <laughs> well, because and and I showed you, they 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 put out models of yeah. these like like figurines, and yeah, I know well, so freaking bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, these these robot these guys along, you know. With Judge Dredd, I'd say, and other people are sort of these lasting, like, hey, mm. like, here are these Robusters, they're going to be, in, or, you know, here's Rojas and Hammerstein, they're going to be in and around 2000 AD for the next 40 years, you know? Oh, so they're darlings of the of the franchise. Then. I mean, I don't know if they're, like, I don't know about that, but they definitely show up in everything, you know, they, 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 they definitely show up, they've got their own stuff, 
Um, they actually guest star Nemesis the Warlock. They have their own oh, stories. Cool. They do all this stuff. We're going to see a lot of them. You know. Oh, I'm glad. So it's good. I'm glad. I'm, <laughs> I'm in love with Rojas. <laughs> nice. Uh, my bottom's also Rick Random. Uh, Rick mm. Random can get out of here. <laughs> I Dan Dare's keeping his head above water just because I'm really liking my video game metaphor, and if that yeah. keeps going, then I'm like, <laughs> I'm just gonna feel really good. At, you know, my uh, my liberal arts degree will finally be paying off for itself. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're amazing. I just, I really feel like do a detective story. Don't don't do Rick Random. I don't know if com- honestly, I don't know if comics are the best medium for detective stories. I must That's say. Fair. Or for 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 whodunits and mysteries, mm-hmm. I I don't know if I've like I'm sure they have been done well, but I haven't seen a lot of it, and especially in this um in a five page page a week um. Well, that's what I'm saying. Comic. Just make it noir and make it like murder. I'm investigating a thing, but all yeah. I do is shoot people. But <laughs> right. uh, but a a classic whodunit requires too much information per yes. prog to be uh, easily readable. Um, I think enjoyable. we'll see more next time and sort of see how it how, how it ends up. And uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at Cradleline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. Everything else, just look up spacespinner2000 and we should be there. Come in, come back next time where we'll meet Dred's niece. Johnny Alpha will meet Satan. The Robusters complete their rise and we'll get three new thrills. Forgettable plane based drama, Project Overkill, and then two <laughs> and then two prequels. Uh, San, uh, Bill Savage will be back is in Disaster 1990. Yes! And then Hammerstein begins his ultimate destiny as we begin A B C Warriors. Spread oh. the word. <laughs> Freaking awesome. All right, so it's not completely milk test garbage. I mean, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid. 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 Splendid.